Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Everything you are looking for in life is found in Christ, and He invites you to come. Come and rest. Come and dine. Come and drink. Come and follow. Come and be blessed. As always, it is such a blessing to see all of you. And if you are joining us online or on the podcast or you're joining on the app and watching, I just want to thank you for joining us today as well. And I want to ask all of us, if we could at this time, get out your Bibles or open a Bible app. And we are today going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. We're going to pick up in verse 23. So that's Luke 9. 23. If you have the Silverdale app downloaded on your phone, it's really useful at this time as well because you can get into it, you can see the outline, you can take notes, and as you take notes, you can actually, at the end of the, the service, you can email those notes to your, yourself, and so it's a, it's a good tool if you want to use that. But today we're continuing in our series that we've called The Invitation, and what we're doing is we're looking at five different invitations that the Lord Jesus gave in the New Testament. Today, we're going to continue by looking at, I just want to be really honest with you, we're going to look at a really difficult invitation today. We're going to look at the invitation to follow him. And it's difficult. Let me read the text. Let me just read the invitation, and then we will kind of get into it, kind of word by word, verse by verse. Here is the invitation. Luke 9, 23, the word of God says this, And he, that's Jesus, said to all, meaning everyone, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the Holy Angels. Once again, that's the invitation. There's a lot going on here, but I'll begin by saying this is a difficult, difficult invitation. Jesus invites all to follow him, and it's difficult it's difficult on many different levels, but one of the reasons of its difficulty is this invitation goes directly against what is valued in this world. Not only is it valued in this world, it goes against some things that some churches teach today and some churches believe. So it's difficult. What is it? What is it specifically that this goes against? What specifically is this in conflict wish, with? Well, it goes against the doctrines of self-esteem and self-love. This invitation is complete opposition 
to the doctrine of self-esteem and self-love. And the doctrines of self-esteem and self-love, self-actualization, it really permeates much of the Western church today. It does. Historically, that has not always been the case. It hasn't. You go back 40, 50 years ago in virtually all Christian churches, this would have been really kind of unheard of, the, the doctrines of self-esteem, the doctrine of self-love. In fact, when I was in Africa and other countries around the world, this, th- these doctrines are still virtually unheard of if the churches have not been in contact with the American church. But in the American church, in the urban south, this is the air that we breathe. And the churches and the people, this doctrine of self-love and and self-esteem, so much so, and I'm just going to say all this because I want you to understand what we're, what we're up against, what this invitation is up against. It would be very hard to find almost any popular Christian book today that is not just permeating, just filled with these doctrines. In addition, much of the popular modern Christian worship songs are just, just inundated with these doctrines. And you go, well, I don't know what you're talking about exactly. Let me just, I just want, I'm going to throw this out there. Any of you are welcome to do this. But I believe that if you would take any 10 random hymns from a hymn book, any of them, just 10 random ones, then you take any random 10 modern Christian worship songs and study the pronouns. Only look at the pronouns, okay? What you're going to find, I don't know, exactly the details, but I believe you're going to find that the pronouns have changed some. Not in all the songs, by, by far. I'm not, this is, this is universal, this isn't a, a universal thing, but, but by and large, you're going to see a shift from the he and him to a shift to the me and my. You, you do the study. Someone should. Maybe it's out there. I haven't found it. Some modern Christian worship songs will even say, God fights for me. It almost sounds like God is concerned with our glory. Church, God is not concerned with our glory. He is not. Any song that magnifies man, any Christian song that magnifies man is not a biblical song. But it almost saturates Western modern Christianity. Not all the songs. Not all the songs. Many. And don't read what I'm not saying, and don't push stuff into it. I'm not saying that we should beat ourselves up. I'm not saying we don't have value. We're image bearers of the living God. We have worth. We have dignity. We're loved by God. But these doctrines of self-esteem and self-love will teach us or have us believe that all of our problems will be solved if you can just build your self-esteem up, cater to yourself, love yourself. It would have us believe that the Bible revolves around us, and it does not. We could do a whole series on this. The truth is, when the Western church shifted to catering to the preferences of the people, much of it, some of it, these are big statements, much of it, some of the the seeker-sensitive, what happened is this doctrine slipped in of self-esteem and self-love. After all, when an entire church is catering to you, it's really easy for self to come in to. I'm not saying all this is bad that's happened. I'm just saying we've got to be aware of it because there are people who think they're following Jesus when in fact they're only following themselves. If you're living, the Bible teaches this, if you're living for self, 
you're not following Jesus. That's what the Bible says. If you're living for self, you're not following Jesus. That church is why this invitation is so hard. It's in direct conflict with the doctrine of self-esteem and self-love. So, let me just advance. This is difficult. So let's look at it. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Let's look at this invitation. All right. We'll begin by just kind of, I've kind of divided it in several sections. First thing I want us to look at is the cost counted. That's where we begin, the cost counted. Now, I think, we're going to talk about invitations in general real quick. I think that when you receive an invitation, and when I receive an invitation, any of us receive an invitation, we have kind of a mental process that we go to. We, we do. We have this mental process that we go through. First thing I do, let me, here's an example, here's an example. Um, I, get, I get an invitation to a wedding. I get an invitation to a wedding. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to count the cost, right? That's the first, you, any invitation, you go to your mailbox, you say, I'm going to count the cost. What is it going to cost me? I'm not talking about monetarily, but I say, like, what, 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 what date is this going to be? What date? What date will the wedding be on? Okay, that's the first thing. Like, like, like what, do I have something in conflict with it? Um, how far, well, the location, how far am I going to have to drive? These are the mental things I'm going through. If I'm going to respond to this invitation, what day is on? How far is it? What time? What time of day? Right? Those are the kind of things. So I count the cost. I count the cost to go to this wedding, whatever invitation, okay? There's a mental checklist I have, any invitation. So once I've counted the cost, the next thing I do is this. I look at the alternative. Here's what I mean by that. I look at what I might or might not have had planned on that same day. And if the cost is greater than, if it's a greater effort than, if it's more of a cost to me than the alternative I've already have planned, then I'm probably not going to go. And some of you are like, yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we all do, man. What's it going to cost me? What's the alternative? Okay, so I kind of weigh those things in, in my head, any invitation. And then I do one final thing. Here's the final thing I do on any invitation. We may not admit this. We all do this. But we try to think, what would the person who invited me think if I don't show up, right? We do that. Like, if it's a big deal that I don't show up to this wedding, well, then, then I might consider that. If, if, if I'm doing the wedding, I better go, right? But, but, but listen, listen, if it's a distant relative, a distant friend, you know, it doesn't mean a whole lot. So that's what I do, right? That's what, any invitation, I'm going to count the cost, I'm going to compare it to the alternative, and I'm going to think about what the person who invited me might think if I do not attend, all right? Likewise, here's what I think. When Jesus gives an invitation, any invitation, we should do the same thing, right? What is the cost? Count it. What is the alternative if I don't respond? And what is the sender that is Jesus going to think if I do not respond? So let's look. Verse 23, we get both the invitation and the cost. We see it. It's all right here. This will help us Verse 23, I'll just read it. And he, that's Jesus, said to all, that's everyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the invitation. Everyone here who is hearing my voice right now has just received this invitation. Maybe you've already responded, I don't know. Maybe some of you are receiving this invitation for the very first time. But Jesus' invitation is this, follow me. Follow me. 
and he gives it to everyone. No one is excluded, all right? If anyone, then he says, if anyone would come after me, all right? In other words, if you take my invitation, if you follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you want to come into my kingdom, you want my forgiveness, here's what you must do. And then he gives us the cost. Like he, there's, this is not fine print, okay? Jesus is exceedingly clear to everyone who would take the invitation what the cost is. Cool. What's the cost? First thing Jesus says, let him deny himself. If you want to accept this invitation, you want to respond to this invitation, you must deny yourself. Wow. That is exactly opposite of the doctrine of self-esteem and self-love. Guys, the two cannot coexist. Jesus says, you want to follow me. I'm inviting you. You want to follow me. The first thing is you got to die to yourself. Basically, everything, everything this flesh longs for in this world, you got to deny yourself. Now, real quick. He's not saying you can't enjoy life. He's not saying you can't enjoy food and family and friends. God, to be clear, God gives us good things to enjoy. Coffee, chocolate, and I can name tacos. I can name them. I can name them. But he's saying do not be driven by the passions of the world. Do not be driven by the flesh. And the deal is there's not a person here I'm looking at right now who is not aware of the fact that your flesh is strong. We've all wrestled with the flesh. <laughs> and some of us, many of us, probably wrestled with the flesh just to get here today, you know? We wrestle. But we gotta die. He's got to die to that. All that the flesh covets, all that the flesh, flesh desires, all that we seek, you've got to, to esteem, to honor yourself. You've you got to die to that we don't die to those things. They're going to run our lives. And that's what Jesus is saying. You've got, you got to give that up. You're going to take this invitation? You're going to take the invitation? You've you got to give that stuff up. No longer can we live for our bodily lust. No longer can we live for the things that we see. No longer can we live for our self-glorification. Deny yourself. All right. That's hard. That's difficult. But he says you got to do one more thing. There's one more cost. You know, more, there's more? Yeah, he says not only that, you got to take up your cross daily. Guys, that's just hammering this doctrine of self-esteem, is it not? So you got to be denying yourself daily and simultaneously taking up your cross. You put down your desires, you pick up the cross, and you do this daily. All right. Well, what does it mean to die to yourself, to take up your cross daily? Well, you can go back historically, and you know that the cross was used to execute people. But it's not a normal execution. It's a slow execution. The people hearing this would have known that Jesus was talking about, if you see a man carrying a cross, everybody knew that was a dead man. He gave up all hope and interest of things in the world. No man carries a cross and is worried about his own self-esteem. 
because he knows he's going to be leaving the world in a very short time. Deny yourself, pick up the cross. It's hard. And then he says, you got you to do it daily. Like, why daily, man? Why daily? Why, why can't I do it once a week? Why can't I do this once a month? Right? The reason why is this is an ongoing battle. You know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't. I do know this for myself. Tomorrow my flesh will be tempted. Tomorrow I will not want to deny myself. I won't. I won't want to do it. In fact, here's a curious thing. After the service or services or whatever, I'm going to go home and I'm going to hang out with my family. And it's altogether interesting to me that even at that time, I'm going to have to die to self and die to my own desires and stuff because it comes at you all the time. There is no respite. And it's going to keep coming at me until the day the Lord takes me home. On this side of heaven, in this unredeemed flesh, I am assured of one thing. My flesh is going to want to rule the day. It's going to want to look at things it should not look at. It's going to think things it should not think. It's going to desire things that was not meant for it at all. And I am to, did not, to, to die to those things and pick up the cross. Once again, church, this is incompatible with the doctrines of self-esteem and self-love. Jesus is saying, I am not the kind of Christ that many people think. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to fulfill your desires and power and glo- of glory, at least not yet. I'm not going to give you everything you want in this lifetime. Jesus says, I'm going to come in power. I'm going to come in glory. But first comes the cross. And if you want to follow me, you too must pick up the cross. All right. And then he gives us, so he gives us the cost. And then he gives us the invitation. Follow me. Follow me. The Greek word is agalatheo. It's a strong word. It means continuously, endlessly, lifelong, completely committed, and in submission to me. Agalatheo, all of you. Jesus says that. You, you die to yourself. Die to yourself. Die to yourself. Pick up the cross daily, Agalatheo. It's to everybody. Come, follow me. Follow me. That's what Jesus says. All right, okay. I got the invitation. All right, I see that invitation. You want me to follow you, Jesus? I got it. Okay, I see the cost. Okay, I see the cost. The cost is denying self, picking up the cross daily. Okay, I got that. Beautiful. What's the alternative? Let's, let's go through this. Just like a wedding invitation, what's the alternative? What else might I be doing if I don't take this invitation? We get to next what I say is the warning given. Here's the warning. Here's the alternative. Compare the cost to the alternative. Verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. All right? So we're told here the alternative, right? Whoever does not take this invitation will lose their life eternally in damnation. But whoever does take this invitation, that is, they lose their life on this side of heaven for Christ. He's very specific here. 
not for Christ. You lose it for Christ, then you will receive eternity with Christ Jesus. That, 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 that's the alternative. We got the cost. Here's the alternative. In other words, the only way for a lost sinner to be saved from eternal punishment in hell is to repent and believe, deny all that you have for Christ's sake, for the glory of Christ Jesus. I abandon my self-interest. I hate my sinful condition. I repent of my sins. I call on Christ Jesus to save me. That's what he says. It could not be more clear. But in case we didn't get it, he's, he's going to elaborate Jesus is going to ask us a rhetorical question. Here's his rhetorical question. Verse 25. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or, look, forfeits himself? In other words, it's pretty straightforward. But in other words, let's assume, let's assume for argument's sake that you could possess the whole world. Let's assume for argument's sake you could have all that your passions hunger for. Everything your eye covets, everything your pride demands, suppose you get all of that. What would the profit be? What would the advantage be? What would the gain be if while pursuing those things you forfeit your eternal soul? Clear, nothing. There, There is no benefit. There's no profit. There's no gain. There's no advantage There's none at all. The end result is a loss of soul. And there is nothing comparable to the eternity of your soul. All right. Huh. All right. Okay. 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 The invitation, agalatheo, follow Jesus, submit to Jesus. Oh, that's the invitation. The cost is denying yourself and picking up your cross. The alternative is... Well, eternal damnation, separation from Christ Jesus for all of eternity. Um, I, had a fr- I, have, I, have, I have a friend um, many years ago. Um, he's still my buddy, but um, he, he didn't grow up in a Christian home. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. He had a rough, rough, rough home, and, and he didn't know Jesus, hadn't heard the gospel. Um, he was living with a woman. This is an absolute true story, man. It really impacted me. But um, by God's grace, he found himself in a church. One day, a friend invited him or something to church. He goes, I'll go check out this thing. Everybody going to church. I'm going to go to church. He brings his, the woman he's living with to church. And by God's grace, they hear the gospel. By God's grace, it's a church that preached the gospel. And he was struck in his heart. And so was his girlfriend at the time. And... Um, they really messed them up. Now, they were involved in all sorts of sins. There is a sin you can list. They were probably involved in it, multiple things. They were living together. And um, the gospel impacted them so much. Here's what they did. One day, they went out for dinner. My friend, he sat on one side of the table, and his girlfriend sat on the other side of the table. And they're wrestling with all of this stuff. And Both of them said, you know... I believe that we should repent of our sins and call on Christ Jesus to save us. And then my buddy said this. He goes, okay, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. But before we do that, let's count the cost. They both got a napkin out and they got a pen. And they sat there and wrote down what it would cost them. My friend said, you know what? We're going to have to stop doing this. They wrote that down. 
We're going to have to start doing this. They wrote that down. We're going to have to stop living together and get married and wrote all that. They just wrote everything down. And after they'd written everything down, they read it to one another and they said, do you still want to repent and believe? They both looked at each other and said, yes, we do. They repented and believed and called on Christ Jesus that very day to save them. They counted the cost. And that was 20 plus years ago. I don't know. They're still my friends. Both of them, they're married and they still love Jesus. They are rock and roll Jesus freaks. I've got to meet with them. They live in another state. I met them like a year ago. They still just pounding the gospel, pounding the gospel, pounding the gospel. But before taking this invitation, they counted the cost. And I believe we should as well count the cost. All right. Count the cost. Got the invitation. Count the cost. One final thing. What will the person think if we don't respond? Well, let's see. Next, we move to what I say is the judgment earned. I don't know, man. What's Je- what is Jesus going to think if you say, eh, I'm going to pass on this invitation? Well, he tells us. Like, you, you don't have to wonder what Jesus thinks. Verse 26, here's what he says. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my word, that's those who do not take the invitation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. Jesus identifies those who do not repent and believe as, as those who are ashamed of him. Jesus, you ashamed of me, you ashamed of my word. And by the way, you can't separate the two. You can't separate Jesus and his word just like you can't se- you can You can't separate Jesus and his church either. People be trying, but you can't. You can't separate these things. You can't. Jesus says, Jesus, you don't like my word. You're ashamed of it. You're ashamed of me. I'm ashamed of you. You reject me? You reject me? You reject my invitation? If you despise me, if you find me unacceptable? Jesus says, I will find you unacceptable. That's what he says. I will find you shameful. I will find you despised. You think the gospel is foolish? Jesus says, I will find you foolish. Oh, that's so harsh. Doctrine of self-esteem says something completely different. This is so harsh. Guys, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said it more than one time. He says it multiple times. In Matthew chapter 10, he says, If you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father. If you deny me before men, I will deny you. It's pretty powerful. It all comes down to that, right? Right, right. Are you willing to confess? Christ is who he says he is, and his gospel is what he says it is, or will you be ashamed and deny it? If you are a denier, if you are ashamed of him, then you are among the perishing. That's what he says. I don't know. I think that is a knockout punch to the doctrines of self-esteem and self-love. They're not compatible. The reality is, I think, there's much popular evangelism today that lures people into the deception that God promises comfortableness for everyone 
all the time. There is this misconception that we are deprived instead of depraved. But that's not what Jesus said. It's hard, man. It's a hard invitation. It's a hard invitation. Repent and believe. Deny yourself. Pick up the cross daily. And follow Jesus. It's hard. But there is no other invitation. Jesus ain't got no plan B. This is it. So the question is, even though this is difficult, have you responded? Have you responded? And if you haven't, my prayer is that you would do that today. Count the cost. Look at the alternative. Consider what Jesus has said. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.